trigger warning. This podcast is intended for men. Not boys, not babies, men. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. This pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show, and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. You're saying you have authority over me? Go eat your f- superior. I personally can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of patriarchy. Don't say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And that is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. You were on the Fight, Laugh, Feast network, and you are listening to The Patriarchy. My name is Tony Dapani, and I am not joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon, because he's on the road with his family. Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich. So what am I eating today? Well, I am eating an egg sandwich with melted mozzarella cheese shredded on top with smoked crispy applewood bacon, a little bit of zesty mayo, as always, sandwiched between two toasted slices of Italian bread. And it was amazing. And I say that in the past tense because, yeah, I already ate that sucker, and it was good. So what are we going to talk about today since Joseph's not around? Well, we actually weren't going to record anything because Joseph was out of town, but I happened to get a message on our page from Rachel Berkey over at Free the States. She asked if we would be willing to interview Pastor Dusty Devers, who was one of the co-authors of the Southern Baptist Convention's resolution to abolish abortion, which was very recent and is something that a lot of people are talking about, uh, both in a good way and in a bad way. Some people have questions, some people have objections, some people are praising it, some people are loving it, some people are middle of the road on it. So there's a lot of talk around it, and I think it would be a good idea for us to talk about it. Uh, Joseph thought it was a good idea, too. So I'm going to attempt to do an interview all by myself in just a minute here. It should be interesting. Hopefully it goes well, but you're going to want to hear this one. And if you already haven't, share this episode, share the post that you found this on on social media around. Get some other people listening to this. I think this is going to be one that people are going to really... Uh, enjoy in many ways, but I think get a lot out of, because there's going to be a lot of questions, and there's going to be a lot of answers, and a lot of talking about this resolution, and I think it's going to be helpful to a lot of people, and I hope it is. So, we're going to take a break, very short one, and when we come back, we are going to be on the line with Pastor Dusty Deavers, co-author of the Southern Baptist Convention Resolution to Abolish Abortion. So stick around. You are listening to The Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Be right back.
Gentlemen and ladies, are you coming to the second annual Fight, Laugh, Feast conference in Lebanon, Tennessee this fall from September 9th to 11th? This year's theme is the politics of sex. We'll have guest speakers, vendor booths, beer and psalm singing, food trucks and activities, and nightly after-party events. Last year's conference was a ton of fun, and we are excited to meet and hang out with even more of you this year. So go to fightlaughfeast.com, click on events, and choose conference in Tennessee from the drop-down, then grab the wife, pack that giant church van full of kids, and we'll see you and yours on September 9th in Lebanon, Tennessee. We're on the line with Pastor Dusty Devers. Dusty is a pastor of Grace Community Church in Oklahoma. He is a writer for Southern Baptists for Abolishing Abortion. He's on the board for RescueThose.com, and he's one of the primary authors for the resolution to abolish abortion in the SBC this year. He's married to his wife of 17 years, and together they have six kids. Dusty, welcome to the patriarchy. Thanks for having me, Tony. I'm excited to talk with you. All right, so this is going to be different for me because I don't have my co-host, and so uh, normally he asks some kind of a funny question. I don't have a funny question, so we're just going to dive into it because this is new territory for me. So let's let's kind of give a little bit of an icebreaker here, and let's just give give our listeners a little bit of background about you. How was it that you got into the abortion fight, and specifically, how was it that you got into the fight to actually abolish abortion in particular? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and we had St. Dave Human Life Sunday, and was, you know, always, I guess you could say, pro-life. And it wasn't until uh, about two and a half years ago, three years ago, when uh, Senate Bill 13 was put forward in Oklahoma, and the state Baptist Association, which is the, uh, it was called the Oklahoma Bad, uh, the, the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma back then. It's now called Oklahoma Baptist. They put forward a letter on why they were not going to support Senate Bill 13. Mm, I remember that. And yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I read it, and several other pastors that we're involved with uh, read over it, and we were quite frankly, appalled by it. It was using worldly pragmatic arguments and was not arguing soundly from the scriptures. It didn't have anything to do with bringing uh, any bill or what they were arguing for under the obedience of Christ. And we thought, well, they don't represent us. Let's make a statement um, that kind of contradicts it and uses the scriptures to support our position in Senate Bill 13. And from there, things just kind of uh, took off. We got a lot more involved. I personally got a lot more involved and have been learning. And uh, by God's grace, he's just given me opportunities to learn a lot and be involved in different ways. And uh, I am, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways, uh, one of the workers who comes in, uh, late in the day, and I still get the same reward uh, <laughs> yeah. as all those who are working for so long before. And that reward is we get 
eternal life in Christ. And, and I don't need anything more than that. But now I get uh, to partner with so many brothers and sisters to uh, stand up for those who can't stand up and speak for themselves. And uh, I'm, I'm just, I consider it a grace of God that, that I get to lift my voice and be, uh, be a member of, of this, these people who are uh, crying out for justice for the preborn. Amen to that. Yeah, I remember, I think you guys, if I remember right, didn't you guys make a video of you guys talking about it? Was, was that correct? Yeah, we did a roundtable discussion. Yeah, yeah. It was watched and spread around pretty pretty good. And it, I mean, honestly, I didn't know very much about abolition then. I just knew that God's Word said about life from fertilization, and they deserve equal protection, and that abortion is murder, and... Uh, we should not be writing any bills that say otherwise. So from there, I've learned. And, uh, but that's kind of where it started. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, so before we get into the actual, you know, 2021 SBC resolution, um, what previous resolutions regarding abortion have there been in the SBC, if any? And if there were, were they similar in any way to what we saw this year, or what was the focus of the previous ones? Yeah, there have been. Uh, there have been uh, somewhere, some, I've heard one number that said it was, it was 49 of them. Oh, wow. Uh, there might be, yeah, that at least had to do with something with sanctity of human life, uh, or abortion. And the first one that we found was from 1971. And in 1971, there was actually support for, uh, for the abortion industry and for numerous, uh, exceptions, rape, incest, life of the mother, um, fetal deformities that they could ascertain. Uh, and then, so that was two years before Roe versus Wade, and it really wow, wow. kind of kind of tilled the the soil. It fertilized the soil for Roe versus Wade. When you, whenever you have the biggest Protestant denomination coming out and promoting abortion in various ways, and then in 1973, the um, actually it was 1974, the year after Roe versus Wade was passed, or actually a decision. Uh, from the Supreme Court was was rendered. Mm -hmm. The Southern Baptist Convention tried to strike a middle ground between what they said was the extreme of calling abortion murder and abortion on demand. So there has been a, a, a history of resolutions. And in 2003, after there were a lot of resolutions in between, but in 2003, the Southern Baptist Convention uh, apologized. They regretted what they had said in 1971 and 1974. They repented of those things. Um, but, you know, this resolution is, is different, uh, by far. It, it, uh, goes further than any of the previous resolutions. And we think it goes as far as the scriptures go on this issue. And it doesn't need to go any further than the scriptures. We just need to stand where the scriptures stand on the issue of of life and how to deal with societal evils. So, 
Yeah, I'm into there that. have been a lot. Yeah, that's I did not know there had been that many. That's uh, wow. That's that's I. So my guess is they pass something every year, uh, almost since Roe v. Wade. Yeah, basically, there's something every year, and some years it's it's not there. There might be two or three in other years. Like this year, there was there was one on the Hyde Amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, like giving federal funding for, uh, to Planned Parenthood. Um, and so there was that one. And then this one that we passed, um, well, that, that the messengers passed, they brought out of committee and passed. So we, if this was number 50, then we finally, after 50 years of, uh, kind of writing this gerbil wheel of playing football field <laughs> yeah. without any end zones yeah. uh have finally said we must abolish abortion immediately without exception or compromise demanding equal justice uh and protection for the preborn according to the authority of god's word and and for that matter local and federal law mm-hmm. yeah so okay before we get before the the this year's resolution actually got to the conference itself uh, how did it come into being? Yeah. Um, you know, there were, there were a few of our Southern Baptist brothers who, there were a few of us that started talking about, well, we need a, we need a resolution in our state because our state's annual meeting was coming up in November of 2019. And so we tried to, uh, write a resolution, but they weren't taking any any submissions. But what what we did was we found out what the resolution was in 2019 that the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma was putting forward, and we met and decided that really the probably the best way to have an abolition at least abolition language uh, included was to add a phrase at the end of the resolution that was put forward by, uh, basically it was Blake Gideon and Brian Hobbs and Hans Dilbeck, who were the three primary leaders of the Oklahoma Baptists. And the addition was, we just added a little line. It said, uh, to end, we didn't say abolish, we said end abortion immediately without exception or compromise. And we presented the amendment uh, there at the annual meeting in 2019 in November. And when we did, there were standing ovations and cheers and claps. Everybody voted it in. I think it was probably, it, I think there might have been two, two or three votes against. And the rest were an affirmation. I think there were several hundred people there. And uh, that was the first that I knew of where there was legitimate abolition language that was in a resolution after that there we had heard of a few other guys who had written some uh abolition resolutions but none of them were passed and so in the end of january of 2020 early february of 2020 i pulled together several of these resolutions and compiled one to then as the first draft of what our resolution on abolishing abortion would be that we would present at the 2020 annual meeting in June last year, but COVID 
you know, shut everything down. <laughs> but yeah. from there, I sent that to a bunch of guys who were abolitionists and pastors and leaders and a bunch of guys that you would recognize. And then after we brought that together, we kind of settled on a, a group of about nine or 10 pastors who worked that resolution over and over and over for a year until it was presented to the resolutions committee. Um, gosh, in March or April, uh, of this year. Wow. That's, that's a ton of work, man. Um, I mean, it's worth it, but that's, that's a ton of work. Yeah. So, okay. So now we've made it to the SBC. We've got the resolution written. So what happened when it made it there? What what was the reception like? Uh, Take us through that. Yeah. Well, the way motions work in the SBC is you have to present them uh, prior to 15 days coming into the convention or the annual meeting. So we presented it. We, We suspected that our resolution might not make it out of committee where the resolution committee would present it on the floor to all the messengers who were in attendance. The messengers are kind of the the people who represent the churches. They're the voting body for the various churches of the Southern Baptist Convention. There's between 14 and 16 million people on the rolls of the Baptist churches. It's it's over 47,000 churches. And that's what the messengers are. They come from those churches. We suspected that our resolution wouldn't be presented, wouldn't be brought out of committee. Uh, we were hopeful. We were prayerful. But we had a plan uh, about what to do. We printed up 7,500 booklets that had the resolution in it. It also had frequently asked questions and a little article on why another resolution We've had 49 or so of them. Why a 50th? Um, we also printed up 2,100 Are You an Abolitionist booklet. And we had a plan to go, and there were about 25 or 30 of us who all went to Nashville. And we had a an outside team and an inside team. And the outside team was passing out resolutions to the messengers and to anybody who, who came along and had questions, they were answering those and just trying to be helpful and friendly and kind and loving and show perfect courtesy as, um, is Paul, Paul says that we must have in Galatians. Um, by God's grace, we were allowed to pass out nearly a, well, it was about a thousand resolutions and are you an abolitionist booklets at the founders conference uh, on Monday. And then on Tuesday, the conservative Baptist network allowed us to pass out booklets as all the attenders to the breakfast uh, that morning as they were leaving, they let us pass out booklets to all of them. So, there, we ended up passing out around 5,500 of those resolu- resolution booklets uh, to the messengers and folks that were at the SPC. Now, there were seventeen to 20,000 messengers in the room, so we covered a good, a good chunk of, of those messengers. 
so a lot of people were able to read it. And we had a resolution online for about a year. And it was over a year, actually, before our annual meeting. We had done videos, uh, had done uh, podcasts with other groups. There was there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of our ground game was, I would say, was pretty strong. And we had a uh, we had a strategy and plan for how to bring the resolution out of committee uh, if it wasn't presented, and that's what we had to do. Um, on Tuesday, the resolutions committee began at three thirty in the afternoon, and uh, that morning, about six thirty, we found out that our resolution wasn't going to be presented. Um, oh, wow. They were going to present the Hyde Amendment. Yeah, they were going to. Re- present the Hyde Amendment before. And so we, you know, I, I kind of hesitate to give too much of our, our strategy because I think that what our strategy actually did, it, not only was it unprecedented what we did, uh, both in our ground game and in our, our uh, strategy to bring out uh, the resolution, but just some of the inner workings of, of how, how, you know, you have to work with parliamentary procedure, Robert's rules mm-hmm. and, uh, kind of win the hearts and minds of the messengers. And by God's grace, he made us wise and gave us favor with the messengers. And, uh, you know, we were able to, to bring it out of committee, uh, through an over vote of probably 85 to 90% of the messengers wanted to hear it whenever we call for it to be brought out. You have to have a two thirds majority. And we had that high percentage. And so that was on Tuesday on, on a Wednesday afternoon, they had a special business meeting started at three o'clock and they got to hear debate on a resolution. And, uh, that debate, it, it, you know, it was very revealing and I thought it went, uh, it went, it went fairly well. Uh, you know, hindsight, everybody would say things differently or try to do different things, but you know, by God's grace, there was only one, one word amendment to the resolution. And I think what that actually did was allow us to have more debate and more discussion on the topics and contrary to what some on the resolutions committee might say or others in with the elites among the SBC, I think that the messengers understood what we were debating and I'm not saying all of them did, but I think a large large portion of them understood the nature of immediatism and what God demands uh, in his word about justice for all lives and the difference in the, the, the pro-life movement over the last nearly 50 years. So, uh, you know, it, it passed after that. Uh, there was an amendment made, and then there was a vote on the amendment, and that amendment, that one word amendment was passed. And then we voted on the resolution and it was passed as well. So 
we now have the resolution on abolishing abortion in the Southern Baptist Convention that in, I think, three different places uh, says that we call for the immediate abolition of abortion without exception or compromise. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. So I was going to ask you, actually, you're talking about that one word. I know there's a lot of talk online about the addition of this this one word uh, to the final mm-hmm. resolution. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Like, what was the word? What it, what? How did it come about to be in there? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So in Article 14 of our resolution, it says this, resolved that we will not embrace an incremental approach to ending abortion because it challenges God's lordship over the heart and the conscience and rejects his call of re- to repent of sin completely and immediately. So the amendment added the word alone after incremental approach. And here's what it reads. Here's how it reads with the amendment in it. Resolved that we will not embrace an incremental approach alone to ending abortion. Mm, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the addition. Um, initially, you know, look, none of us like it. We think, we think it compromises. It's a compromise to, to justice and to God's standards. And, you know, I know how some people are having difficulty, and I completely understand that, because in the moment, I questioned, is how, how, how big of an effect is this having on the resolution? Well, the initial, the the reality is that everything else in this resolution contradicts it. We wrote a very robust resolution because, you know, in God's kindness and his direction, if you try to refute one area of it, there's going to be other areas of the resolution that refute you, Mm -hmm. that, 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 um, you know, so it, it's it's self-referentially coherent. So if you try to throw something in, well, it's going to be refuted. So even in just Article 14, whenever you say that we will not embrace an incremental approach alone to ending abortion, well, the very next thing it says is that incremental approaches challenge God's lordship over the heart and the conscience. And incremental approaches reject God's call to repent of sin completely and immediately. So even internally with that one article, that alone becomes, it looks like a typo. It looks like, this doesn't even make sense. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I don't think that it it really, in the long run, that it matters. Uh, What I think it does prove is that the pro-life industry... And I, I don't, I don't mean most people who are sitting in the pews. I think most people sitting in the pews are very well-intended, and I think they want to be faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, and they assume that their legislators and the pro-life industry is doing everything they can. And we're kind of just bound by the Supreme Court's decision in Roe versus Wade. Um. But I think what it showed is that there really is a difference between abolitionism and pro-lifeism or the pro-life industry. Uh, so in the follow-up, in the days following 
the annual meeting, that word alone has proven to not matter at all. It's like the media, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, these major publications who have come out and written articles about what the Southern Baptist Convention has done, uh, or whether it's, you know, people like Scott Klusendorf or other members of the resolution, that word alone has basically been left alone because they all are saying this is a resolution on abolishing abortion and it's undermining, you know, everything the pro-life industry has done and is calling for criminalization of all women. And it, it, you know, it's making a boogeyman out of our resolution and saying that our resolution is saying things that it's, that it's, not to some degree. There are things that it says. Yeah, I know Scott but, had some yeah. some words <laughs> to yeah. say about that. And yeah. I mean, I know he's not alone. There's other people that did, but I he had quite a lot of words to say about that. Um, so that, to your point, yeah, I think that it's being... It, it, that I know there are a lot of people that are upset with the word alone, and like you said, I can understand that, but it's generally seen by everybody else as as an actual resolution to abolish abortion. I mean, it, the, the reaction to it seems very overwhelming. When you look at the pro-life side, uh, they they don't like it because <laughs> it's going to put them out of business. And uh, they, they don't like it um, because it is very much uh, the heart and soul of it, I think, is to end abortion. So I guess to kind of round this off, I mean, I think I know the answer, but overall, I mean, are you happy with the resolution? Are you happy with the reception of the SBC to it? You know, it's been interesting. And I think we, we had an idea that this was there. And I think if you look at, look at how the convention went, there were several groups that were critiquing the bureaucracy of things versus the messengers. And like, there was this kind of, there was this elite class that was running things versus the messengers who were just the faithful churchgoers who were the people giving their offerings, reading their Bibles, just trying to be faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. And then there was already this interplay, whether it was with critical race theory or um, sexual abuse or how the um, executive committee was acting. So some of that was in play. Um, but as as far as the reception, I think that the messengers have been overwhelmingly supportive of this resolution because they're hearing us say, treat abortion the way, consistently with the scriptures, the way that slavery should have been abolished or and finally was. We need to abolish abortion like that as well and not... Uh, treat some class of people as worth protecting and another class not worth giving that equal protection. So from the messenger standpoint, I think the interplay in the room was you had some folks from the ERLC and you had other ethicists who are represented by seminaries in the Southern Baptist Convention uh, doing their best to persuade the messengers not to approve of this resolution and the messengers by and large approving of the resolution saying that we're, we're tired of 50 years, nearly 50 years of incremental 
so-called victories whenever and, and, and counting 65 million babies as so-called victories. Let's, let's abolish this. Let's put an end to this child sacrifice. Let's be consistent with what God's word says. Now we've seen, you know, articles coming out here or there, and there will be more and you'll see uh, a lot of interplay. But what you have now is there are more conversations that are happening around the United States, especially and around the world regarding abolishing abortion than perhaps ever at any time. We, the conversation has been put to the forefront uh, in, in a lot of religious circles, and that's only a good thing. Whenever we start studying God's Word result, re- regarding how God demands we look at life and protect life, this is only a good thing, in my opinion. Well, and you know, you look at you look at how God works out things that look disastrous to us for good. So you look at, you know, God brought in the Roman Empire, right? But they built a bunch of roads. They built roads because they wanted to go conquer everything. But then it paved the way, literally, <laughs> for, you know, the apostles of the early church to literally walk those roads and make it so much easier for them to take the gospel to all the ends of the earth. And then you look at this past year or so, you know, and God sends a, you know, I'm going to trigger everybody now, a respiratory virus, <laughs> and, uh, you know, with a 99 point whatever percent survival rate, the world shuts down, but people all of a sudden, after so many months, are really craving consistency of truth, right? They're, they're tired of mm-hmm. lies, they're tired of inconsistency. Um, I, I, in the past year, year and a half, I've had so many conversations <laughs> with unbelievers about just straight gospel, straight biblical truth. I mean, things that probably years past people would have just been like, not, nah, don't want to talk about it, and they'll listen. And I feel like God has, you know, in his sovereignty, moved things around and, and so that the, the hearts of people, and especially his people, are, mm-hmm. are being softened to this kind of thing, and, and they're looking for it. They, they want truth. They're, they're, they're tired of the lies, and they're tired of the inconsistency of it. So I... I I, it's yeah. encouraging to see this happen. It's encouraging to see this happen in the SBC. It's encouraging to see this happen, uh, you know, in, in other nations, like you said, too. There are other parts of the world that are trying to end this as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I hate to cut us off. We're starting to run out of time here. But um, if uh, one last thing here real quick, um, are there, what's, what's next? Are, are there plans to do anything next year uh and, and if, if this is giving away your strategy just tell me <laughs> and we won't we won't we won't say that but um you know in terms of next year is there is there another resolution coming to fine tune this one more uh is there any plans to take that one word out i know there's probably some people wondering that which is why i ask um or is there just something more in the SBC to help this uh gain even more traction and keep going yeah, we're going to do a lot of things. Um, regarding that one word, I don't think there was a precedent set this year that you you don't go back and reverse uh, resolution from previous years because the, re- the messengers of that year spoke. And, you know, there was a big argument from the floor about that. So that's not, I don't think, our strategy. There will be other resolutions with other topics. There will be, this resolution will go to all 
every state where we have an abolitionist pastor, this resolution is going there. Uh, any denomination that wants to take this resolution and change it from Southern Baptist to Presbyterian Church of America or the CREC, they can they can change it and and present their own resolution if their if their governing bodies allow them to. Uh, we expect a lot of that. Mm-hmm. We expect conferences to come out of it. Uh, many articles written about it. Uh, catechism. I'm working on a catechism for uh, adults and children. There's there's a couple of others of us, Brett Baggett and maybe Jared Burdick, uh, working on uh, catechism uh, on life. And there there are, are a lot of things. I, I don't really want to get into our strategy for next year because I think what you saw this year was a watershed moment. Uh, I think our strategy will be taken up as uh, kind of the game plan for pushing forward your um, your desired ends at the annual meeting. Uh, but here's the thing. I think what we saw this year was there were any number of topics that were clamoring for the pole position, for the, the pride of place. And by God's grace, through the various providences and providential circumstances that we over the last year, uh, and leading up to this year, there were 20,000 or so messengers who came. And the principal issue in our day, we, we, we knew it going in. We were convicted of the Lord that the principal issue in our day was not critical race theory, as, as wicked as it is. It was not some other of these topics, which are very important and need to be dealt with. But the urgent, most pressing issue is that there are 3,000 babies being led to slaughter in the United States and over 150,000 babies slaughtered every day around the world. And God has, has put his hand of judgment, we believe, on the SBC and broader. Why wouldn't all our bickering and clamoring and and inability to see clearly and apply the scriptures to these big issues and then fight back and forth. Why wouldn't all that be a, a um, response because God has put his hand of judgment on us and let confusion run us. We think that when we get this issue right uh, on abolishing abortion and establishing justice for our preborn, that God will then start to bless uh, our our nation once we start to repent of modern-day child sacrifice, then some corrections will come. And that's what we think, that's how we understand what happened at the annual meeting this year. God brought this to the forefront in various provincial ways. He made this stand out for Southern Baptists and say, I want the babies rescued. Southern Baptists, Stand up for justice, love mercy for the preborn, and I we believe that in the days to come, the primary issues and arguments are going to be about what is it to establish justice such that God would not hate and despise our feasts and take no delight in our solemn assemblies, but justice would roll down like the waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream from his 
hand and through his people. And we would see uh, abortion ministries and clear, clear statements about this coming from the Southern Baptists. Well, if you were on cross politic, I, I, I would have uh, sound bites like an organ to play right now after <laughs> after that. But uh, sadly, we don't have that kind of money here. Um, yeah. No, I I couldn't agree more. Um, you and I were talking a little bit before the interview, and uh, both Joseph and I have been in this fight a long time, and it can get very frustrating at times. But then there are times that God gives you this little reprieve, you know, and and you see him working in people's hearts and you see this, the light at the end of the tunnel and you see things start to crack. There's a crack in the dam, right? You know, and things start happening. And I think we are, we are really getting there. Um, this, this, when I heard about this, this was huge. I mean, again, the SBC is massive and for the entire conference to be able to pass a resolution like this and recognize not just the need to end abortion, but the, the compromises that we've made for decades uh, and, mm-hmm. and the need for repentance on that. Um, that's huge because that's really where it needs to start. So uh, as we close out here, look, if, if folks want to get in contact with you or uh, they want to learn more about what you're doing, um, can you let our listeners know where they can find you or read up more on what you're doing or get involved? Yeah. I mean, I'm on Facebook, Dusty Deavers. Uh, you can look on Southern Baptists for abolishing, I'm sorry, Southern Baptists abolishing abortion.com. Uh, we'll have more content and information coming out, uh, soon. I, um, uh, those are good enough places to look for now. So. Well, Dusty, thank you for coming on. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I know you are uh, actually really are taking time out of what you're doing right now. You you said you were at a youth uh, youth retreat, right? Is that where you are right now? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So th- thank you. Thank you for taking time away from that. Uh, but thank you for your faithfulness in this. Thank you for, and, and not just to you, but to the other men, because there were other people I know involved in this. Uh, we, we had Bill uh, Askell on the show uh, some episodes back. We've had Darren Stid on two times. He's a very good friend of ours and a good friend of the show. Um, and, and other men, uh, Tom Askell, I mean, there are other people involved. And, but thank you very much to you, everybody there. Uh, I encourage the SBC, anybody that's listening to your Southern Baptists, stay the course in this one. Uh, keep praying for this, keep repenting for this, and keep, uh, keep pressing the course. So um, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. All right, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And that was Pastor Dusty Devers, co-author of the Southern Baptist Convention Resolution to Abolish Abortion. You are listening to The Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Um, I think that was a very helpful interview with Pastor Dusty Devers there. Uh, hopefully that has answered a lot of questions that people have been having or maybe clarified some points. Um, but I will say this, uh, in between segments here, I actually got word back from another co-author of the same resolution that worked with Pastor Devers. 
Uh, his name is Pastor Darren Stid. You might actually recognize him uh, from the Resisting Balaam podcast, also from our podcast. He's been on here a couple times. Um, he's actually going to come on as well and talk about a few other points, a few other objections that have come up since the resolution has passed, uh, some more talking points that people have been having on it, uh, both people that are in favor and people that are not. Um, so we're actually going to do a part two of this episode. Uh, it may still be just me. I don't know when we're going to record it. We're starting to figure that one out still. Uh, hopefully that will be soon. Uh, maybe Joseph will be back on. Maybe he won't. But that will be coming out, so please stay tuned for that. In terms of this interview and this episode, if you found this helpful or if you think this would be helpful to other people, please like and share this episode on all the social media platforms that you find it on. We are currently on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Gab. That would be helpful to us, but also very helpful to other people and helpful to the people that co-wrote this resolution to help clarify this matter more for other people so that as there continues to be more work to end abortion, uh, not just in the SBC, but elsewhere, uh, that these matters can be clear to everybody and people can be on the same page and people can have their questions answered. So please do like and share this episode, uh, whatever social media platform you find it on. We would greatly appreciate it. And I think the guys that co-wrote this resolution would appreciate it as well. So as always, until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call to you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is The Patriarchy.